I mean, more or less what we're saying is we're going to stay present with this feeling until it moves, as you said, until this energy moves. Okay, I stayed versus, you know, of all these ways in which we're trying to get out of the present because it's because it's initially uncomfortable. It doesn't fit. And, and for many, maybe for many men, it's a new thing to stay with a feeling that when culturally we're not really taught yeah. that we can do that right yeah, you need to man up and it. just stuff it yeah. is, is the message totally. i think we're taught as sons of god men have so much capacity for good joy and happiness but far too often they're depressed disconnected and unfulfilled man talk for latter-day saints is dedicated to creating conversations with latter-day saint men about the things that are critical to men becoming their best selves including spiritual mental and emotional well-being Men need other men to help them become healthy, grounded, confident men. And our intent is to help Latter-day Saint men become the men God has created us to be. Hi, and welcome to Man Talk for Latter-day Saints. I'm Matt Allred. I'm on the board of One Heart, One Light, a nonprofit organization that teaches skills to help people with Latter-day Saint background process their emotions in healthy ways, rewriting limiting beliefs, and access the power of Christ's atonement in real time. Hi, everyone. This is Bob Smith. I'm the LDS men's coach, and I'm on a mission to create strong, connected, happy families and societies in our world. And I believe firmly that that starts with powerful, loving, purpose-driven husbands, men, and father. And so my goal and my mission is to help men become the creators that they were meant to be. And I'm Dan Chambers. Grateful to be here. Um, I'm a master coach, teacher, and the owner of Unlimited Soul Coaching. I teach men and women how to expand their agency, connect more deeply to their identity, and create a life they love. Great. Today we are talking about shame, and specifically, I'm calling it pervasive and pernicious shame. Shame is the first lesson the adversary taught Adam and Eve when they partook of the forbidden fruit. Essentially, the message was, hide. You are no longer good enough for God's presence. He doesn't want to see you because of what you have done. You are no longer worthy of his love. And shame is a lie. And yet we as humans have all bought into this lie in some ways. Shame leads us to hide our true selves, our true intent. And for me, the, the subconscious message has been, if they know the real you, they will not love you or accept you. Often as parents or teachers, it's easy to use shame to control behavior. And sadly, much of that is done without consciously being aware of what we're doing. So it's not surprising then that in David Hawkins' book, Power Versus Force, he says that the emotion of shame is the closest of all emotions to death. It has the, the lowest vibration. And if you've ever felt really ashamed, you've tasted what that feels like. Brene Brown, the famous researcher, Shame researcher says that shame is a focus on self. Guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame says I am bad, but guilt says I did something bad. So, Bob and Dan, how have these things shown up in, in the lives, your lives and in the lives of your clients? And what are the key things that we can learn to be able to combat shame? Here's, here's what's interesting for, for me is I didn't even realize I had shame. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even realize it was there. And it was there for such a long, huge part of my life. And I, and to be honest with you, I still have, um, absolutely still have moments where I have some thoughts of embarrassment or not good enough, or, you know, what if I can't, but, um, 
Yeah, for so many years of of my life, I think the way that I covered that up was let me put on this this shield of perfectionism so that I could protect myself. So I thought I was really being protective, but what is really stopping me from, which is going back to another Brene Brown quote that you'll probably recognize, is what it really stops us is from being seen for who we are, for what we are, where we are, and being available to be connected with, with other human beings. So sometimes I'll go back to this, but, you know, I I went through a divorce process um, several years ago, but I just remember my ex-spouse, which I didn't love at the time, and maybe we've, we've talked about it before, but, but she would call me shell guy. So she would say, you're the shell guy, like you're going into this shell where you're just like not available. And I didn't really know what that meant because I wasn't even in tune enough with my mind and my heart and my spirit and my soul to recognize that I was really kind of walling myself off from, from connection with other people and connection with myself. And then I would go under the guise of, well, I'm just going to go keep plugging away at my callings. I'm going to read my scriptures more. I'm going to, you know, pray harder. I'm going to fast more. I'm going to go to the temple more often. I mean, I've listened to, I mean, thousands and thousands of general conference talks. You know, I can quote scriptures with the best of them. And I still didn't feel like I was good enough. It was almost like I was trying to outrun that feeling that I didn't even recognize as shame. And I don't know if that resonates with with you guys or not, but it, it seems Absolutely. you know really clear to me now, you know, in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what comes to my mind from my experience, and and I really appreciate your insights, Bob, as far as developing awareness how do we learn to see what essentially is hidden or 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 we've created some way in which it's hidden and 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 it's interesting what i hear and what i notice in my own life there's a there's a dramatic difference probably a 180 degree difference between going through the motions of righteousness and actually experiencing connection with god and to me that's the difference between knowing that the sun, well, the, did the sun come up today? Well, yeah, it did. I'm sure it did. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't question that. That, that difference between like going outside and feeling the literal warmth of the sun on your skin. Like to me, the process through which I think has, has helped me transform my life and move out of, um, or it, I guess I'll say this, it helps me identify when I'm choosing shame or experiencing shame more easily because it's not gone from my life. But I'm, I'm more able to identify it because I'm I'm choosing light, a real authentic experience with light daily. And that to me has been so helpful to kind of, um, yeah, to process through my own experience. So what do you guys think? No, I think that's beautiful. I love the way you said, and I'll probably get it wrong here, but you said the 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 actions of righteousness or kind of like checking the box and and showing up that really resonated with me because I know I've done that you know showing up to service projects and 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 not that that's wrong but if I'm doing that as if oh hey this is the real me but I, but I'm really unable to connect with the real me and unable to show up as the real me then I'm just I'm just using that in shame trying to trying to hide who I really am, and and I know I've done that a lot of times, but but to your point, knowing God is different from knowing um, 
you know, from from just checking the box. And I guess where I'm going with that is, is to me, it's it's critical that I connect with the real me and that I learn to love and accept me even in even in my weakness. And that's where I think where I was getting stuck in shame was no, I have to show up and be perfect, kind of like you said, Bob. I have to I have to prove myself or I can't I can't show up. I've got to hide in my shell or hide in my cave or or um and so for me the big the big learning has been that I'm I don't need to hide. That I can show up even warts and all and I can love and accept who I am and and not have to hide it from from God or anyone else for that matter. Um, anyway, that's that's been a, a major shift for me. Yeah. Do you guys remember the the talk by um, Elder Uchtdorf where he talked about either coveting a crown or a cave? Did, did that ring a bell to you guys? I don't recall Like where that, you but... covet a crown or you, or you want to go to the cave? And so I guess what's come up for me with, with what you guys are saying is, is how can we tell? So I didn't know that this was there for me. And so how could we help others that would be listening to this kind of identify that or to begin the process of identifying what's there for them so that then they can start making the shifts and hopefully sooner than, than uh, I did. <laughs> and, and maybe I needed to go through this kind of long drawn out, somewhat painful process, but um, like, how could we help others kind of identify, you know, this is what's going on. And so one thing for me is, is um, there's, there's like this point of kind of exhaustion, meaning like there's a void here that I'm trying to fill with all the to do's. And so that's where we go through the check, the checklist, expecting that to cause us to feel differently about ourselves or to fix some perceived deficiency that we have inside of ourselves or the other part is that is is we just want to check out altogether and say forget it i'm not going to do anything totally demotivated and completely uninterested so in one way it's almost like what one way this could show up or at least that i've seen it for me is like overexertion if you will and kind of exhaustion but yet feeling but in the end feeling um, still hollow and and uh, unfulfilled or you know kind of giving up and saying I'm not even going to try it's not worth it it's it, there's no no point in in uh even attempting this because I'm still going to feel you know terrible terrible about myself no matter how this goes yeah do you guys have any thoughts about that or anything that would be helpful to share with these guys that we're reaching out to about like how they could see it recognize it you know, well, yeah, no, and I appreciate you bringing it up because what what comes to mind is exactly, I know I've seen it in my own life and others where I'm gonna I'm gonna run hard and I'm gonna be perfect. Well, this hasn't worked out. I'm not feeling as happy and as close and as connected. So I'm just gonna give up, right? Forget this. I'm gonna leave the church and you know break all the commandments. And <laughs> and I I know people who've done exactly that, trying to live this perfect standard, finally burned out, breakdown. And forget this, it's all false. I'm, I'm just going to run the other way as hard and fast as I can. Neither one of those is obviously the solution. Um, to me, the solution has got to be a willingness to engage in the process. And, you know, Dan, a minute ago, you were talking about, you know, coming to know God. And I, I don't remember the exact verse, but what comes to mind is there's the there's the verse in, I think it's First John, it says, you shall... Uh, 
it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every time I hear that, what, what strikes me is I cannot come to know Christ until I come to know myself. And I can't come to know myself until I'm willing to dig into the shame. I'm willing to look at my weakness, as Ether 12.27 says. I have to be willing to see, okay, what am I really hiding from? And, and is that darkness really part of me? And can I love myself even though I'm tempted by all manner of temptations and weakness and all these things that plague me? So I don't know if that answered the question, but that's what that's what came to mind. Yeah. Dan, what do you think, man? I love your question, Bob. So yeah, how do how does this become applicable? How can someone listening to this actually pull something away that benefits them? And my journey, and again, I don't know that this is everybody's journey, but my journey has been, just as I kind of alluded to, how do I literally experience light? How do I step into light? Because if I'm trying to just get rid of shame, to me, that doesn't work. If that's my motive, if, that, if, if I notice, oh, I have shame, what am I doing? I'm trying to get rid of it. That doesn't work for me. But if I instead give my attention to light and God, and specifically the type of light that shines, as you alluded to, Matt, that shines on me and allows me to begin to see myself differently. To me, that's the light of Christ as well as the power of God that that illuminates and invites me to see myself differently. So how does a man do that consistently, daily, especially when we have to, like we mentioned, it's almost like you have to begin to separate these check, like it's, to me, it's a paradigm shift is maybe where, how sure. I'm thinking about it. It's, it moves. There's plenty of individuals who like, maybe we're all in this boat. Oh, we all read our scriptures. We all said said our prayers and, you know, went to the temple, read Jehovah's Covers. So it's like the acts of righteousness were in our lives. And yet we still felt empty or unworthy as a, as an, and it was, that was normal, even though we're doing those things. So how do you shift? How does that shift happen? Where now those acts of righteousness actually have meaning, purpose, and substance. They actually illuminate our souls. They give us life and light so that we can begin to stand in the presence of God with confidence, right? That we can actually begin to feel distilled upon us, line upon line, strength to be who we are, even though we're simultaneously weak still. Sure. It's not that it's we've mastered anything, but there's this, I think, so when I think about, so how does that happen? How does that shift occur? It's something that we've already discussed a little bit, but for me, it has to do with the paradigm that works better for me than how am I being obedient? But it, the, the paradigm that works better is just relationships. Like how is my relationship with myself and with Jesus Christ and with Heavenly Father? And I like to think about and invest in those in positive ways. So I realize that that's, there's a lot of, maybe practices or tactical things that you could say, well, because what does that mean? But to me, just to speak about in a broad sense, to me, the fundamental shift to help me move away from some of this was to think more about real relationships with myself, with Christ and with Heavenly Father, and then working to cultivate those in real ways. If it didn't, essentially, if it didn't, if it didn't fill me up, then I could, I would pause and stop and wait and go, wait a sec, this isn't working. What works? I, you have to find what actually works, I think, to make that transition. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think that's great. 
Yeah, I love that. And I, I love how you mentioned relationship with our self as, as a true relationship, because I think that's really, you know, at the basis of all of this. Um, and also identifying what really is working and what isn't working. And that's really the power of kind of going really internal, you know, having a coach, having a counselor, having somebody that has that perspective that can kind of help dig a little bit deeper into what's really there and what's really going on for you so that we can kind of open that up. Just like, like Brene Brown says, shame is like mold and can only exist in the dark, like where it's covered up, concealed. And the only way to really eradicate that is to bring it out into the light, like your beautiful example of coming out into the sunlight. That's really the, the process of kind of uncovering. So I think at the root of this, at least for me, and I think for a lot of guys and, and for a lot of the guys that I coach is, you know, the thought of I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. There's something deficient in me or there's something inherently wrong with me. So those are all some of the thoughts or common threads that I've seen that kind of revolve around shame or that produce that, that sense of shame within us, like that there's something inherently wrong or deficient with me. And if I open up about that, or if I let it out too much, or if I'm really seen, then I won't be loved. I will be rejected. And that's too big and too scary to even approach. And so therefore we cover it up and conceal it and try to pretend like it doesn't exist. And then that's where the shame grows and it festers. And so some, some things that I, I, and that's part of why, you know, I created the group that I did is because if shame can only exist in the dark, then the only way to really start the process of healing from that is to bring it out into the light. And what better way to do that than in a group of like-minded men in a judgment-free environment where you can show up and say the thoughts that you didn't dare say and share the feelings that you didn't dare share with anyone else and be able to be okay in that experience and in the sharing of it that you think you might die by letting this out of your system or, or saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe I had that thought or I can't believe I'm feeling these things. I shouldn't be feeling these ways. I shouldn't be having these thoughts that are in my head. And now I'm actually letting them out. And to still be embraced and loved for exactly who you are, that's that's where I think it, it's almost like retraining our brain to say, oh, I'm still okay. Like I've, I've passed through this portal and I still sur and I survived it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I, yeah. Well, that's, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I was, you're, you're saying exactly what has, has largely been my journey, which is until I went to a men's retreat and could step into a place that was, I didn't know such a place existed. It was mind blowing to know that not only could I be open, but these, and it was, it was really modeled for me by, by others who, who could step in and be super vulnerable and just say, Hey, here's, here's my story. Here's, here's who I am. And that to me was, you know, for them to drop their walls like that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, okay, I guess I can, I can do the same. But then to, to have, I'll be a little vulnerable here, just that, that the first time a man was willing to hold space and just hear my story like that, I bawled. I cried because I, I, I my story was no one wants to hear me. And if they do hear me, they're going to reject me. And so it really challenged that shame um, to just have that opportunity. You know, after I'd kind of shared what I was going to share, 
All he said was, I hear you. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is this is mind-blowing to me. Um, but what it allowed me to do was first start to to be accepted by other men, which really led the path for me to love and accept myself. And and that was honestly the first time in my life I could feel like, oh, hey, I'm okay for me. I don't need to beat myself up because I was really brutal uh, with myself. Just, you know, wanted to live up to every possible expectation in my own mind and and was pretty rough with myself. So, um, no, it's it's been uh, a huge shift and a huge learning for me to realize that not only did I need that space, but I, I think men traditionally, and we I guess we talked a little bit before the show today, that I think traditionally men have had a space with other men. I mean, if you're one of the 2000 stripling warriors or or even, you know, being a scout and you're hiking a mountain or something, you have this this group of, of brothers and you see your weakness in some ways, you know, trip on the trail or you get shot by an arrow or whatever. It's like, hey, I'm in dire straits here. And to have that that group of men rally around you, say, "Well, we're not going to let you die, right? We're gonna we're gonna do whatever it it takes to 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 save you." I think that's extremely healing. Um, and there, there's a scripture that comes to mind, and I, I think I may have shared it, but when um, when the Lord says it's not good for man to be alone, I don't think that's talking just about marriage. I think He's saying men don't ever need to be alone. They need a group of brothers, whether they're working, whether they're going to war, whether they're you know, doing a hobby, men need that cohesion to to learn how to be men, to challenge one another, to kick each other in the butt when we're not being accountable or or living up to our potential. So I think there's a lot of value in that, Bob. Yeah, such a beautiful story, Matt. Thanks for sharing that too, man. I know that that's been a, a massive. I mean, that that must have been just an amazing, amazing experience to have and such a healing one at that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, yeah, it's amazing. And I, I do think, so back to shame for just a second, I, I feel like shame is at the core of why my, why men won't connect or don't connect. For example, I've got a friend who, I guess he's in the state presidency now, but he was an elders quorum president a couple of years ago, and we were just talking about elders quorum activities. And he's like, I can't get anybody to come. They've got nothing to connect on. They've got no, you know, no, no reason to be together. And I was like, hold on. We're 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 members of the church. We've got the priesthood. We got we got all these reasons to connect, but we can't can't get them to connect. And I and I've seen it in my, you know, he's in a different ward, but I've I've seen it in my own ward. Why, why, why won't men connect? What is it that keeps them from from being able to step into that place, and and maybe the environment's not safe, right? Maybe they judge that, oh man, too much at risk. I I, I can't be real there, or it's not safe for me to be real. Um, I guess the question I'm asking: um, How can we invite men to to find that space, or or create that space, or what, what does that look like? Any thoughts, Dan? Well, I think there's principle and there's practice and ultimately really there's doctrine undergirding this plan of salvation, right? This journey of mortality in which we are meant to feel these feelings. It's sure. part of the journey. And I wonder if that's even part of what has to be understood because as you alluded to, when men come together in, in groups where vulnerability 
is part of the undergirt of that opportunity. It surprises men, but it also instantly feels like, oh, wow, this feels really good. Uh, So I think part of the journey in mortality is to feel some of these things and then to make those choices that move us out of those feelings towards, to me, towards Christ is the best way I describe it. So I think there's individual things we do as well as then we can also choose which has all been a part of our experiences. All of us have been involved in group-related things, which adds a powerful benefit. So what I would wonder, here's here's what I would want to say, though. Group can be such a powerful facilitator and, um, and support, but it will not by itself change sure. a man. Sure. So that, so I think it's a, it's a powerful benefit, but I, so I always... I, t- I notice for me, I love to think about the individual and what the individual has to do. Um, and maybe I don't want to say has to do, but what the individual, there's some individual work here that's part of like salvation is this individual thing. Exaltation is the family. It's the family event. So what does it, what kind of man, because I want what I've, what I've discovered I want is I want to regardless of any situation I'm in, be able to live in the light. And that's maybe how I like to think about it. So that, so what does that look like? And so for me, this is um, this is one of the practices that I felt inspired to choose, and I choose it every day right now. And it is one that everyone's heard. It's it's popular, but but as opposed to going through any motion relative to this idea, but to really experience it. Just this morning, I woke up and I noticed that I had some self doubt about. And so maybe there was also some shame mingled in as I began my day thinking about my business, thinking about some responsibilities they have and wondering how I was doing and where I was at. But I have a commitment and it is to begin the day with gratitude and do essentially talk with my heavenly father and begin to count my many blessings. And so there was part of me that wanted to ask for help really bad initially when that prayer, when I wanted to pray, it's like, oh, but I need some help with this. I can see I'm kind of struggling, but I kept my choice. I used my agency, kept my commitment to begin to count my blessings or to begin to express gratitude. And as that event happened, as I walk, and this is on a walk, I do it every morning. I go on a walk first thing. And on that walk, I started to initially like, well, it's spring. I'm appreciating spring. I'm appreciating it's a cloudy day. And I love what the early, I'm, and it's early. I'm out at like 5.15 in the morning. So the clouds are dark, but you're starting to get a little bit of sunrise. And I, I began to appreciate that. So essentially- I added gratitude to my life and, or to this, to my morning. And those feelings of doubt and shame just fit gently in, like almost just slowly fade like frost. They melted Mm. off. I Mm. didn't have to confront them. I didn't have to go after them. Like I've got to get rid of these, but I made a choice as an agent in something that honored me as an individual and, and kind of in essence, helped me regain that identity of son of God you know, disciple of Christ, child of the covenant. I found my way back there by expressing gratitude. And that to me is just, so I guess that's one of my, that was one of the things I would throw out there and offer. I mean, it is something that we've all heard. It's something that gets talked about, but I feel the gratitude because we talk about these, like, like you say, like uh, shame's way down here next to death. Gratitude's way up there next to, I think, eternal life. So a choice of gratitude when we can, actually experience gratitude i think we can we can shift and so to me that's vital for me that's super helpful for me 
to have that individual experience in addition to then being with good men like you guys and others that I feel that uh, strength that comes from that. So it's not that one's better than the other, but I'm just, I guess I'm expressing, I feel like men need both. Oh, absolutely. I love, I love that. So thank you. I mean, I was remembering a quote from, I think it's Joe Dispenza saying something like, uh, gratitude is the ultimate state of receivership. So you said, I thought to ask, but instead I expressed gratitude and you probably accept, you received everything you wanted and more, but it wasn't going the ask route, it was going the gratitude route. Yeah, exactly. And and scripturally speaking, there's powerful scriptures if we really look at the words of the Savior. Sure. Even even like the celestial, like talking relative to it, like a celestial life, it's those that received a testimony of Christ. They didn't grab it. They didn't make it happen. They didn't figure it out. They received it. Mm-hmm. And the result of, like you say, that receivership is so, to me, that idea by itself has been incredible in helping me in the daily moments of guilt or shame or something happening and both, you know, or doubt or whatever these emotions are, knowing how to bring them into the light without having to like worry about them, but in essence, choose gratitude and notice how that invites that light into me. I love that. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, Dan, can I, I want to add to just a little bit of what you said, where you talked about those other feelings kind of melting away. And I couldn't agree with that more. And so just to share a little bit about my experience with coaching and, and the men that I coach and the work I've done, you know, personally as well. So, and I also actually want to touch on that, the um, combine that with the part that you said about being grateful for cloudy days and, and a little bit overcast and it's not perfectly sunny and shiny all the time. I think that really is illustrative of life in general. So and what I mean by that is, is all of these these feelings and emotions, these thoughts and emotions that we have on a you know minute by minute, hour by hour, you know, daily basis that that go through our bodies, it's all part of the normal human experience. We were meant to experience shame. We will experience anger. We are gonna feel disappointment. And guess what? We're also going to feel joy, ever going to feel peace, ever going to feel excitement, ever going to feel um, all of these other parts of life. But all of it is part of one great whole in, in terms of helping us grow and develop to become the, the powerful creators that we were meant to become. And so... Part of the melting away. So, so there's kind of two, there's kind of two parts. And this is a lot of what I help my guys with too, the, the men that I coach is number one is, you know, what is the thought that's creating the shame that then you, then, and then you act from that place. And then what's that creating for you? And so the thought many times, like I mentioned earlier is I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. You know, I'm deficient in some way, you know, something along those lines that that says that then feels like shame inside of our bodies. So that's one aspect of it. But then the other aspect of this too, which is like another layer of this work, is when shame comes into your, when, when shame is there, when you feel shame or when you feel disappointment or when you feel anger or when you feel happy or sad or whatever it might be, what are you making it mean 
just by the presence of those thoughts and emotions in your life. So, so for instance, we've got the one part where it's, you know, I feel this way. And then we try to understand that and pull that apart. So that then we can have, make choice to say, oh, it's me that's creating this. I'm creating this. I'm not intending to create this and nor are we not intended to not have all these experiences or emotions. But when those emotions show up, what are we making it mean by their very presence? Like when you feel shame, is that a problem or is that not a problem? Do I need to get rid of this as soon as possible? Do I need to stuff it down? Do I need to forget that it exists? When I feel angry, like many of us feel at various times. I went to a car dealership yesterday to try to test drive a, a car that I'm, I'm looking at buying. And um, I set up the appointment. I, I did it right <laughs> yesterday morning. I had the appointment all set up and we had it scheduled. I had the person. It was going to be right at, you know, three o'clock. I drove down there. I was there right at three o'clock and I showed up all excited. And they said, oh, I'm sorry. We, we just closed on a deal on selling this car just two minutes ago. Like the people went and test drove it, then came back and got their paperwork together and came back two minutes before I showed up. And then therefore I couldn't go test drive the car, even though it was like, I took a special time off of work to go do this thing. I was so mad. I was so mad when I was there. My son looked at me and says, are you, are you mad about that? I'm like, I am super mad about that. But if we're in the place of shame and like, Hey, feelings and emotions are not okay. I would have said, no, no, I'm not mad about it. I, I don't really care. You know, it's fine, whatever, cover it up, dismiss it, whatever. But I didn't. I was totally mad about the, the experience. And I could own that I was mad. And I knew that whatever thought I was thinking about, about that whole experience was what's causing me to be mad. But yet I still was mad about it. And I was okay being in the place. And so just to kind of help illustrate, it's totally okay to have these emotions that we have and then when we have them, what I actually do instead of like what I used to do instead of suppressing them, because when we suppress the emotions that we don't like, we actually end up suppressing all the emotions that we want as well. You can't mm -hmm. differentiate one from the other. Our body can't really do that. And so we ended up just having this kind of small little life of everything that's just kind of controlled and balled up inside of us to where we don't really feel anything anymore. But instead, what I do when I when I have these when I feel these emotions like sad or disappointment or shame or whatever it might be, I put my hand on my chest and I breathe into it and I say and I speak it. I say, I feel shame right now, or I feel angry, or I feel unloved, or I feel disappointed, or whatever, whatever it is that's that's real for you in the moment, and give it some voice. Notice where it is in my body. And then I actually breathe into it for, you know, two or three or four big, deep breaths to allow it to expand instead of to try to shove it down. I allow it to expand and welcome it in. And then it, and then it's amazing how quickly that feeling kind of dissipates and I'm okay and it's okay. And it's okay that I felt that way and, and I can totally handle it. And now from a more powerful creative place, now I can decide at that point now, what do I want to do? How do I want to feel? What is it that I want in the situation? What is it that I want to create? And then what do I need to believe about this in order to, to create what it is that I want? And so that's a really beautiful, powerful way to say, it's not about, like Dan said, you don't have to eradicate this. You don't have to be afraid of this, even though that's so much of, of what we spend so much of our life doing is trying to avoid 
rejection or avoid shame or avoid mm -hmm. disappointment or avoid all of these feelings that we don't want to feel. And uh, what I'm saying is it's time to do the opposite of that. It's time to let them in, to feel them fully, and then to decide from that powerful place saying, I know that I'm feeling this way. I own that I'm feeling this way. And I want to let it in and learn from it and treat it as a gift. And then I can still, I still have the ability to decide what I do next um, and how I want to feel after that point. I love the way you, you kind of, you know, model and, and show, you know, the, a safe way to not only express anger, but to feel anger. I, I think I know myself for a long time, I was just, I was afraid to go into anger because what I'm going to, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to hurt somebody? Am I going to say something I, that I regret? Um, but then you had said earlier, we are here to experience all that life has to offer, including the unpleasant experiences and unpleasant emotions, because we, you know, the scriptures say that we're here to taste the bitter so we can learn to prize the sweet. Well, I can't prize the sweet unless I, I taste both sides and, oh, okay, I'm going to choose this. That to me is is agency, and uh, and I have heard um, emotion referred to as energy in motion. So if I allow it to move through, like you showed Bob, that's what a great way to do that. But if I stuff it, if I hide it, if I try to suppress it, well, guess what? It's going to be there next week and next month. And when somebody pokes that spot that triggers me, right? Who knows what's going to come out? And and the more the more I've done that over the years and stuffed it in, the more that's just sitting there simmering, waiting for somebody to tip the lid <laughs> and boom, well, there it goes. It, it, it's not only like it's it's actually the plan and mortality's designed so that gets poked. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's we we that's the irony of it. And I the so what you just described, it's really not the irony. It's just that's how it's that's how it works. So like Bob, what you just described perfectly, it's like we receive it. Oh, because in it and versus resist it. Sure. And to me, like, that's how, that's how my mind differentiates the experience. And I, those are the questions I have to ask myself. Oh, oh, like, would I be willing to shift into receiving this? And like you mentioned, breathing with it is a powerful way to receive something because it just presence. I mean, more or less what we're saying is we're going to stay present with this feeling until it moves, as you said, until this energy moves. Okay. I stayed versus, you know, of all these ways in which we're trying to get out of the present because it's, because it's initially uncomfortable. It doesn't feel, and and for many, maybe for many men, it's a new thing to stay with a feeling. That, when culturally, we're not really taught yeah. that we can do that, right? Yeah, you need to man up and it. just stuff it yeah. is, is the message totally. I think we're taught. So I love, I love the, the example of just that pivot into receiving. And the other, and for me, I, or, or am I resisting and learning to notice like, mm -hmm. oh, am I resisting this feeling? And, and to me, like you were talking about, that's kind of like level two of this because level one could be like, oh, I'm choosing this or this, or here's the thoughts that are happening. But level two is being able to just receive the whole moment versus resist it and to begin to begin to have your own experience in being an agent. Because to me, all of this has to do, I become, shame has way less power in my life as I am more engaged as an agent in my life. Because sure. it's like, oh. What am I choosing right now relative to this? Am I receiving it, feeling it, having my experience with it? Or am I essentially trying to hold it at bay and control it, right? And or run from it or, or stuff it or all these other, they're all the same thing said in a hundred different ways, but we're trying to not stay present with what is sure. because it, we're uncomfortable with it. Well, but in what the I hear end, you saying, both of you saying is, is just becoming conscious 
becoming conscious of what am I choosing, what am I feeling, and what am I what am I going to choose about that? And and um, I, I mentioned this a minute ago, but um, Mosiah three is it nineteen? The natural man in there it says willing to submit to all things, which to me Dan says willing to receive. All things yeah. that the Lord sees fit to inflict upon you, and and the question that goes through my mind is, okay, what is what does He sit, see fit to inflict? Well, it's everything. It's being present. It's everything that's in my life is what He's inflicting: good, bad, favorable, unfavorable, painful, pleasurable. That's what He's giving me. Therefore, am I willing to submit to all things that He's seeing fit to inflict upon me as a as a child submit to His Father? There's power mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could just go back to my, that car example for a minute, which is I was choosing to be mad in the moment. Like I could see it and I still chose it. Like, I just want to be, I just want to be mad right now. I'm disappointed. I'm angry. Like I was all excited about doing this thing and I'm just going to, I'm just going to totally own and I'm going to choose to stay in this space right now. But had I stayed in, had I gone to the place of, I shouldn't be angry you know, good Mormon men, good LDS men don't stay angry. We we never feel angry ever. <laughs> like that, that's just not something that exists in the church. If you're actually going to hold the priesthood and give blessings and heal people and uh, participate in the sacrament service, like and especially go to the temple. I mean, you you should never experience anger, right? And that could not be further from the truth. Like because I, if I was in the place of, like I have been in my life before of. I shouldn't be angry. I should just be okay. I should just be whatever and be totally dismissive of the experience I was having inside of my body. That's where the true problem happens. And that's where we stay stuck. Like the fight and the turmoil that we don't want to be experiencing stays in our system. And because I was able to just own it and be totally okay with being mad, it processed through so much more quickly and it was there was kind of a gift in all of it. And then my mind was able to open back up to be like, okay, now what do we do about this? I can't do anything to change that. And I can't, and I and I still want to, you know, have this experience. I immediately shifted into, okay, let's go to, let's see if we can find another place to go test drive the same car. And we did, and we had an amazing experience of it. But had I stayed there, you can see how it could have just been, let's just continue the misery. For longer and longer and longer and so i love the way dan said it of are we going to receive it or are we going to resist it and what we resist persists like that's sure. just a little rule of thumb for for those if you think you can just get rid of it guess what you can't <laughs> it, it will come back up and and it's going to end the and the conflict will stay inside of you until you've really processed it and dealt with it in a way that is where you're open and accepting of really what is and, and of how you feel. It's beautiful. Yeah. Another, yeah and as I say, another way that I, 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 I re- this was something that one of the coaches I worked with once said like, Oh, emotions, just that you just have to ride the wave. Your goal, your objective is ride the wave. It will come to shore, but when they, when it, whatever shows up, just be with it and ride the wave. So, because I think what you're alluding, what I heard you talking about the Bob is right. Like, what what comes in a lot of times when we feel an emotion is is it triggers perfectionism i'm not supposed to feel this right like that for some reason is that that cultural sure. i don't know scripted thought that wants to then show up oh you need to be perfect right now and perfect means this 
Hmm. Right. So part of it is letting go of that. Part of it is being conscious of like perfection is not, that's not the objective right now. Instead, what the objective is, is to be present in this moment and receive it, ride the wave and stay intact as an agent so that you can continue, like you said, go on and have a great day. It's beautiful. What I heard there too was, um, you know, in, use the word perfect, which I, <laughs> I've i learned it. Yeah, I really hate that word. But but when the scriptures use it, I, I understand it's more like complete. And so I can't be complete until I receive everything. I taste the bitter and the sweet. And, and Bob, you said something a minute ago about there was a gift. And I believe that's always true, that there, the Savior's always got a gift. If you're willing to receive the bitter, well, boom, here's the sweet along with it. How can you receive the sweet unless you taste the bitter that he's that he's given you to experience and 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 learn from it. I think there's always a lesson and always learning in whatever he sees fit to inflict upon us. Yeah. Yeah, that was really beautifully said. Um and who felt more of the weight of the world, right, than our savior himself and and what a beautiful gift came from that you know, experience of him receiving the the weight of all of that that came upon him at that time and i and i really believe that part of us receiving the weight if you will of these emotions of the thoughts that come because we can't even begin to try to control all of the thoughts and feelings that we have on any given day we have tens of thousands of thoughts most of which are not even conscious to our are not even mm-hmm. conscious to us. There's so much are in our subconscious mind. And so we can't even begin to try to control that. But what we can do is we can notice the emotions when they come and and use the emotions as kind of like our gauge as to where we are and what we are believing about any given situation that we're in at the moment, whether it's an interaction with our wife, with our kids, whether we're trying to build a business, whether we're trying to, you know, go test drive a car, whether we're interacting with our parents, whether we're doing whatever. And so, yeah, it's such a gift to just, yeah, be present, be in the moment and allow all of those things to, to be with us. Beautiful. So um, I know we're getting close to our time. So I'm just going to ask each of you, what's, what's one thing you'd give a thought, something to our listeners as we wrap up? Dan, you want to start? Sure. Um, I like easy and I like simple. So like where I started today, like I like to go back to relationship. And I think that what we're talking about, what I feel like my experience has been through feeling the bitter and the sweet is about becoming acquainted with Jesus Christ. There's an acquaintance I can have with him by feeling both the bitter and the sweet. And so in the bitter moments or the doubtful moments or whatever those moments might be, I have appreciated coming to understand that that really can equal, it's not a problem, like it is a path. And that path isn't just something I'm walking on. It's an actual literal relationship with Jesus Christ and an acquaintance with him that allows me because built into this idea of receiving, for me to receive What undergirds receiving for me is that I choose to trust. So how do I trust these moments of my life? Or I guess I would say like this, I've learned that I can trust. It's easier for me to trust and stay present in the moments of my life. 
as I've thought about, well, it's because I know Christ even more. These experiences acquaint me with him in such a way that it feels to me like, oh, it's okay for me to stay and ride this wave, feel these feels, and it's all okay. And part of it's because, oh, because he's got me. It's like, oh yeah, I trust in him, not in me. So making that, 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 uh, I don't want to say that shift, I guess, is a big part of this for me. And so I guess I'd toss that out that I I think this journey, well, the relationship with Christ is to me the key in all of this and becoming acquainted with him, receiving him, trusting him is, is I think for me, for me, that's been one of the keys. Awesome. Thank you. What you got now? Yeah. Yeah, what I'd like to share is, um, so we started this discussion based on shame, right? So the first thing I would just share in closing is, is every emotion, there's a gift with every emotion. Every emotion has a gift with it. Whether we can see it or not, every emotion has a gift behind it. And then secondly, when it comes to shame, is those thoughts of I'm deficient, not good enough, defective in some way, and I can't, you know, let anybody know that. Therefore, I've got to hide, you know, this part of me and however we go about hiding, whether it's works or literal pulling away and hiding. I just want the men to know that you are absolutely not defective or deficient in any way regardless of what you've done in the past or what you think you've done or haven't done or should have done or whatever else, you absolutely are not. Those are just thoughts that you've been practicing over time that are creating this experience for you. And by inviting you into the light, like Dan was talking about earlier, come forward into the light to be seen, to be heard, to allow those things to to come forth and to begin your healing process because it'll change your enti- the entire course of your life for the better when you do. Beautiful. Thank you. So what what really resonates with me as we wrap this up is something that I learned, and it's probably been 10 years ago, but for me, it was a big shift because I was in a place of trying to be perfect and trying to control and trying to, you know, um, just, yeah, control thoughts and emotions and everything. And, and I remember reading this book and what it emphasized was was the importance of the word willingness and and saying i am willing and that was that was a huge eye opening and and even mind opening experience to to realize not, not only is there power in that word that's what we covenant at the at the sacrament we're willing to take upon us the the name of christ and it's it's um and so you know, willing to submit to all things. And so I started just in my daily practice, whether it was silent or out loud, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing, even if I can't begin to believe yet or choose yet or or really exercise my agency, I'm willing. And that that just opened up my heart. It opened up me to be able to learn greater things. So that's my invitation to whoever's listening is start by being willing, willing to receive. I'm willing to see. I'm willing to feel, willing to connect there's a, a lot of power in just being willing. So thank you again for being here today, Bob and, and Dan. Appreciate it. And until next time, thank you for listening to Man Talk for Latter-day Saints. Please keep listening and subscribe to be notified of new content. At Man Talk, we are talking about the things that matter and that make a difference in the lives of men. If there's something you want us to talk about, please let us know.